Good morning. Welcome to the Republican Professor. Today we have Dr. J.P. Moreland, our special guest. Uh, he was former professor of mine and Curtis's back in the day. And uh, we have him on to talk about miracles, his book on miracles. Thank you for joining us, J.P. Well, it's a real privilege to be with you, brothers. I look forward to this. We do as well. Yeah, definitely. Curtis, did you want to start off with any personal anecdote or you know how you, how uh, you know jp well how i how i met gosh i don't even i i don't know if you'll remember this or not i i just assume you will but i don't know um it must have been 91 or 92 somewhere around there um you came to foothill baptist church um and uh, uh dr dave bancroft was the senior pastor there we always called him shep he was a great guy um I've spoken with him recently. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he came, he had you come and speak. Uh, Kurt Hanks invited you, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and you came and spoke on apologetics. Uh, and you had actually later came back, I think, and spoke on uh, a church split that we had gone and give to give some guidance in that um, from your experiences. And yeah, was I read scripture for you that day. And uh, I, I remember... I remember uh, saying, coming up to you right before the service and saying, uh, Dr. Moreland, this, this one little spot, you, you have me going further than, than the reference. And it doesn't seem like it's right. Like I'm going to correct you. You know, I was, I think 19 at the time and, <laughs> and you're, and you gave me, you, you laid down the Greek and said, Oh no, in the Greek it's blah, 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 blah. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. I, I should have just done what you asked the first <laughs> <few>. <laughs> Well, but that's kind of followed you ever since, hasn't it? it, has, it has. <laughs> Just listen to JP and my life. Will yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> so it's, it's well, great. It's great. great. Well, I have fond memories of uh, both you guys and uh, it's, it's just nice to reconnect. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The first uh, time I saw one of JP's books was when I was a teenager at Summit Ministries. I never was there when you were speaking, but so I never got to see you speak at Summit. But I saw your books on the tables and I was becoming a book fiend at that time. I was, I had a paper route at, as a teenager. And I, I remember just spending my entire, whatever I made, which is not much on, on books. One of them, two of the books I got were scaling the secular city and Christianity and the nature of science. I still have those books are on my shelf right over there unbelievable i tried to read those and i have to admit this i popped around scaling for years and tried i got some of it and i could tell there was something there i wasn't getting then uh christianity nature of science was a little bit more accessible to me for some reason at least parts of it was i was and so then i was serving in the navy and the first time I saw you speak was at a Mayflower Presbyterian church, but it was the Calvary Chapel that was meeting there. It was the Calvary Chapel College and Career Group. It was, I think it was on a Thursday night, 1994, it would have been in Pacific Grove, California. And uh, the uh, Calvary Chapel was meeting in the Lighthouse Theater during the Sunday mornings. And obviously they don't, they can't meet at night because they're showing movies for the college and career group. So I think we had some, I think it's a Presbyterian church and uh, you were there and you had your table and your books. And I, I, I knew the books 
but I'd never seen you before. And so mm. I was like, oh, that's the guy that wrote those books that I don't understand. <laughs> and I saw you speak and I talked to you briefly and you encouraged me to come to study philosophy at Biola, which I later did. Yes. <laughs> so well, I'm glad you did. I'm so glad I did too. Um, and that's where I met Curtis. So you brought uh, that, that program brought, brought us together and, um, so we're uh, bringing, I guess we're bringing Talbot to kind of po American politics in a way, which is, wow. a, it, that's good. our niche. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so happy that you're here. Thank you, JP. Um, I, I just remember you as just such a joy to be in your class all the time and read the stuff you made us read and be tortured <laughs> by you. And I love torturing. <laughs> yes. But thank you. That, that means a lot to me. I appreciate it. So we've been exposed to this miracles book that you have. It's a brand new book. It's called mm -hmm. a simple guide to experiencing miracles. There's the book. Is that right? Yep. That's and right. yeah, I just want to make sure I got the title right. Yep. And tell us JP, how you got the idea for the book. Right. Well, it, it over the 53 years I've been a Christian mm -hmm. and, and over probably the last three or four decades, uh, it has really become more obvious to me that the American evangelical church is not having the impact yeah. on culture that we could be having given our numbers and something's very wrong. Mm. And so um, I, Five years ago or so, I decided to reread the book of Acts mm. uh, to try to find out what was in their mind mm. in terms of winning and then maturing people into full-orbed disciples. Mm -hmm. And then I re read some of the writings of the church fathers for the first four centuries, and I discovered three things in Acts and the first four centuries, and I verified this with an expert in church history who specialized in the church fathers, and he agreed with my assessment, and I found there were three things that were central in their mind, and there more, there's more to the Christian life than this, but they were, these were the core. Uh, what, number one, cultivating a Christian mind, learning, learning what we believe and how that differs from our culture, where we agree with the culture, where we don't, and why we believe. So that was number one. Number two was uh, forming people's inner character and their tender heart through spiritual formation practices mm -hmm. so that we are literally growing to exhibit the fruit of the spirit and are becoming more Christ-like. The third one was really shocking to me. And that was to uh, see and participate in the manifesting the power, the supernatural power of God's kingdom, hmm. and through signs and wonders. And that did not stop with the apostles' death. It kept on going. And I realized that uh, since I had been going to a vineyard church since 2003, um, I was seeing authentic uh, biblical Christianity that had a real supernaturalism to it. Prior to that, I thought 
that everybody that was into that sort of thing was kind of goofy. And an awful lot of them are, and in a way that's not appropriate. And, and they're just sort of on a hobby horse. And I, I was into evangelism discipleship. So what I thought I would do uh, was to write a book that I, in which I had carefully vetted something like Fericles in there because I wanted to put my, my weight, whatever, whatever I have, behind the idea that let's not throw the mm. baby out of the bathwater. God is still performing things all over the world, uh, like the book of Acts. And that is a part of our heritage. But but, so I wanted to be what you might call a credible witness. Mm. And so that's what my book is to build people up, to draw them closer to God and give them courage and boldness in in their Christian life and in standing against the cultural trends. And I think seeing God act is, is one source of courage so that's why yeah yeah i like i like that courage uh yeah. so much so many areas that the church just people in our culture today need to exemplify courage and just being truth tellers and like yes. you're saying testifying being a credible witness to the testimony of what's happening and not letting it be marginalized that that does take courage for a lot of people it does. absolutely yeah it is so weird to me that you have you got the biblical worldview which is that there's a supernatural creator that created everything and there's natural world and there's scientific investigation that can tell us all all sorts of stuff about that and and yet there is this view that that the lord would just stop doing signs and wonders like 2000 years ago for some reason and we're just right. left with the text well i know i, I just don't understand that why is <laughs> you're right uh and i think the the, the theological reason uh is uh because they think that the miracles function solely as signs to attest to the apostles authority in their message and once the scriptures were here. We didn't need that any longer, but that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Number one, there still mm-hmm. is a need for that sign function. I mean, when when a person gets healed, or or something else happens, and I like I said, there are five different kinds of miracles yes. that I include. But if you see something like that, unbelievers are are deeply moved by it, and and so. But but besides that, there that is not why. God and Jesus healed people solely. It's clear in the Gospels that one of the reasons he healed people was because he was moved with compassion and love for their suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and I admit there's a lot of times when God doesn't answer a prayer or whatever, and I acknowledge that I'm befuddled by that sometimes, but I know, I know beyond any reasonable doubt that uh God is still moving in signs and wonders in this country, and he's doing so to bear witness to who he is, but also because he loves people. So one final statement on this. I I don't theologize. uh, In my book, I encourage people and tell them how to grow in their expectation of these things. 
And I, I list about eight different ways that a person can make progress because you can't believe something you don't believe. You can't just choose to believe something. You have to do things to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, wh- what became clear to me was that I wasn't theologizing the power of, of signs and wonders through spiritual gifts. Uh, I, I personally do believe that all the gifts in the New Testament are for today, but, but those who don't accept that should still uh, accept the theological basis for my book. What is that? It is when Jesus came, a new form of the kingdom was manifested, and we are now living in a time when there is a new form of the kingdom that was not present in the Old Testament. I believe a full form of the kingdom is still future. You may disagree or agree, but that's my view. But so right now, there is a stronger or more uh, full form of the kingdom, not what it will be. And Paul says the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. And so uh, I am looking for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power and the kingdom's power. Whether you agree with the gifts or not is not my issue. Yeah, you know, wh- one thing that that I've long thought has been what, uh, why would God, if, if God's constant and outside of time, um, well, really, whether I guess time really doesn't even bear on it, but but if God's constant, why would he do something here and not do it in another place? It's just something I've always thought. And, and you know, we would we can attribute miracles in Old Testament readings that prophets had done or that, that God had done, you know, in conjunction with prophets. Um, and now that the kingdom has come to, in a sense, like God's not in the tent anymore. He's in, he's in each individual tent, right? He's in us, right? right? So it stands to reason that if he uh, cooperated with prophets and miracles in that way, and we're in that prophet type of role now, yes. it, it, that he would be more permeated throughout the, the members of the church doing what he's always done. Well, I'm with you 100% on that. And um, so people say to me, well, why isn't God doing more in our culture as opposed to overseas? And I, I'm not sure that's true, but here I give two responses. Number one, I think uh, that what we have done in this country is absorbed a, wor- a naturalistic worldview, even as believers. And, yes. we, and, and if you ask me, am I a naturalist? I'd say, well, no. Of course not. But it's in the drinking water. I mean, it's yeah. taught in school. It's, it's subtle. Yes. It's not. We, we, nobody yes. would explicitly say, well, right. of course I believe the physical world is all there is. And science no. is the only way to know anything. But really deep yeah. down, they trust the authority of science more than the authority of uh, a philosophy or theology mm-hmm. as an epistemic guide. And so they, they end up thinking, well, I just... I don't want to be foolish. I mean, I don't yeah. want to you know, get out there in Goonie land. And the, here's the other thing. This has been so fascinating to me. And in the book, I document this, but I've gone into churches and I've asked how many of you raise your hand have seen an answer to prayer that was so specific. There was no way it could have been coincidence. Mm-hmm. 80, 80, 85%. How many of you have had God speak to you in a way that was not in the Bible, but was under its authority you know, 75%. How many of you personally know someone, or you have a very trustworthy friend who knows someone, and you trust their testimony, that was miraculously healed? Oh my gosh, it's 80%. Well, 
there is stuff happening in our churches, but nobody talks about it. Mm. And, and the reason is that they don't want to either come across like they're the, the super Christians, or number two, they're afraid people will think that they're kind of goofy, and they don't want to be embarrassed. So if they see something, they don't share it. And so mm. one, of the, one of the eight ways I list as to how to grow in your expectation of, of the miraculous is to start going to your different fellowships and asking people this question. In the last year, have you ever seen God do something that you believe was a genuine miracle? Or have you ever encountered an angel or a demon that you were pretty confident was real? Tell me about it. And, and you'll be surprised if you do that, the kind of things that people will open up about. So that's, that's my, my thinking. It's the naturalism, and it's that we don't like talking about this because we don't want to appear to be like those people and kind of like we're weird or goofy. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I really appreciated about the first couple chapters where you get into AIP um, and... Uh, like uh, define, define for people what that a is. And maybe we should define miracle too. Yeah, I'll... I'll let JP, I'll let JP talk about this, but just in, in a nutshell, the AIP is like an intelligent agent principle, um, small probability, uh, exactly it, and it, exactly what you prayed for, met a need, built trust, and, and it equals independent or and independent specialist equals uh, done on purpose by an yeah. intelligent. Maybe yeah. you could open that up or absolutely. I'd be glad to, guys. Um Amir, I'm an, I'm an interventionist about miracles, meaning that for me, a miracle is a special act of God, or, or I would also include an angel or a demon, but I don't want to get hung up on that. I just mean a supernatural act that is an intervention into the laws of nature that bring about a brand new effect that would not have happened otherwise, and it's done for a purpose. So it's an act of God or it might be something a demon does, let's say, and uh, that is intervenes in laws of nature and produces an effect that wouldn't have happened otherwise, and it's done for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a specific answer to prayer, a healing, um, hearing God speak to you in, in some way, and I list four or five different ways, uh, and I illustrate all these with cases, um, and the angelic or demonic manifestations and near-death experiences. And, and uh, so the, the question is this, how do I tell the difference between a miracle and just a, an incredible coincidence? Mm -hmm. Yes. And the reason this is important is because one of the reasons God intervenes and does miracles is to strengthen our faith and give us boldness. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, now, but what often happens is what somebody will see a specific answer to prayer that is just specific, and they'll, they'll be so built up by it. But the next day, a doubt will creep in, and they'll say, gosh, that could have been coincidence. And if they dwell on that, the faith that they boost they got is eroded, and, and that shouldn't happen. So I, yes. I decided, and I think, the, if I may say so, I think this is worth the price of admission in the book, is I make clear how to tell the difference. So here's how, how it goes. This, in the world, there are, there are causes that produce effects. 
And sometimes the causes are purely natural causes. Example, a flash of lightning causes a, the tree to split. Now there the cause is just a pure natural thing, but sometimes the cause is an intelligent, rational agent who freely did something. And so my, I come in and our dinner table set uh, and, I, and uh, I don't look to a law of nature to explain that. I explain it by an act of my wife that she did freely for a purpose of serving our Chinese neighbors, not our Mexican neighbors, because of the way the table was set. Now, this kind of cause is the cause that is looked for in all of our courts across the country. Yes. Did this person do the murder or not? Was, yes. it, a, was it an accident? Mm -hmm. And so they have developed a principle in science that I'm applying to the spiritual life. It's called the intelligent agent principle. And it says when two conditions are met, it is beyond any reasonable doubt that this event or phenomenon you're looking at was the product of an act of an intelligent, rational, free agent and not a law of nature or a coincidence. And the first one is that the event has to be highly improbable. But that's not enough because, uh, Curtis, if you and I were playing bridge and we had a $500 uh, uh, pot that we were playing for, and I'm the dealer, and on the first deal, I give myself, lo and behold, a perfect bridge hand. Uh, uh, that would be look a little suspicious. But because my hand... Is highly improbable, yes, it is. is it not? But your hand is every bit as improbable as mine because you, your hand is just 13 random cards. But if somebody had predicted before the deal that you would get exactly those 13 random cards, we would all go, oh, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so, What's going on? So, yeah, exactly. So improbability is, is a necessary, but it's not sufficient. There has to be one other factor. And here it is. It's the fact that that event is special besides the fact that it happened. Now, look at your hand. There's nothing special about your hand besides the fact that it's the one you got. In fact, we would describe your hand as some hand or other that randomly was dealt to Curtis. My hand, however, <clears throat> is a special arrangement of cards, <clears throat> excuse me, independently of the fact I got it. Namely, the rules of bridge say that anybody who gets that hand is a winner. It's the combination of my hand being improbable and it being a really special hand independently, in this case, according to the rules of the game, that I got it that indicates I cheated. And, and, and this was actually used uh, in a court where the Democrats sued a Republican and won based on this principle. And here's how it went. There was a, uh, in Ohio, <clears throat> they were having local uh, uh, state house elections in eight districts. And there were uh, seven or eight candidates running in each district. And so the day of the election, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, um, the ballots were distributed. And lo and behold, the Republican candidate was listed first among the eight possibilities in all eight districts. Now, 
that's highly unlikely. Hmm. It's very improbable. But if, if you had some other random distribution that was on all the ballots, that would be equally improbable, but, but it wouldn't be special. Now, what made this special? Well, we know that whoever's first on a ballot <clears throat> tends to get votes just because they're first. And it was a Republican who was in charge of printing the ballots. Given that he had an interest in Republicans winning and a way that he could encourage that was putting the Republican first, the judge in this thing said, this is not a random coincidence. You cheated in producing those ballots. You're guilty. And he was fined. Now, in an ass, and so that... So now if I pray for something or there is a very specific that I have that is pretty unlikely to happen, but it's still a need, then uh, if if that answered prayer, to, to, if, if something happens that's highly unlikely and it's special because it was exactly the need I had or it was exactly the thing I was praying about. That is not a coincidence because the design filter would say, this is beyond any reasonable doubt, the act of an agent. Now, this time it's a real big one, <laughs> a real smart agent. We might even use the G word of that agent. <laughs> but um, that's how. So the bottom yes. line, is we take a secular principle that's proven yes. metal in science and in, in, in law, forensic science, and we apply it to the Christian life and it helps yes. discern an act of God versus just an unlikely coincidence. JP, what I love about, what I've always loved about your teaching and the, what we learned at Biola and the MA philosophy program there was uh, this really special balance between pushing us into academic excellence yes. and making us feel challenged and almost like we can't handle this, but we can, but I feel like I almost can't. Right, right. And at the same time, it's common sense what you're saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's just, it's, I remember, it is being, science, it, it, <laughs> I, remember I, I had two, three classes with you metaphysics one and yep. philosophy of mind and origin of consciousness. And every single time I, I had you and other classes there with other professors, it was this wonderful, beautiful, I would say, to quote my friend Shiloh Allstrand, beautiful combination of common sense and academic rigor and uh, pushing us into uncomfortable things. And in metaphysics, I remember just being astounded at how more mysterious and interesting the world was than I oh, ever yeah. thought. And oh, yeah. reality, I'm not like, you, fake world. Not, not, you know, and then in, in philosophy of mind, all the stuff that I'm so familiar with, and even children are so familiar with mental states. Exactly. I mean, children mm -hmm. don't know about brain states. No. And, and just realizing, holy crud, these things are real. Like you would say, these suckers are real, you know? Exactly. And, and, and I loved your sense of humor too, by the way, because that was always fun. <laughs> you just pepper, pepper, liberally pepper uh, <laughs> stuff in there. At, at, at the same time, you're, you're killing us with this rigor. 
<laughs> and uh, origin, <laughs> well, of, origin of consciousness too. The same thing. Like these guys yeah. are the these serious scholars are struggling to right. try to cram everything into science, and they it just doesn't do it. work. Doesn't nope. work. No, nope. it's not. It's not common sense. It, exactly. I'm with you 100% again. That's such a great comment. And I appreciate that. And see oh, what I'm trying to do. Well, it is. And, and in, in the book, A Simple Guide to Experience Miracles, I, I lay out, like I said, five different kinds of miracles or supernatural events. I try to explain their, I deal with skeptical problems and give a basis for them. And then I try to come up with some practical ways to grow in, let's say, learning how to pray for the sick or discerning God's voice. And then I have highly vetted cases that are going to blow people's minds. And I want to say to our, our, our yeah. watchers here, yeah. I didn't just grab any miracle story I heard, you know, at the local assembly of God. Uh, what I did was I took stories and vetted them. I called people. I interviewed them. If there were other witnesses, I called them. Uh, and and I, I, can, I put my reputation on the line in the first chapter saying that I will put my reputation behind the, the truthfulness of the accounts in this book. And I, they, they are beyond reasonable doubt to me or they wouldn't have gotten in there. So I want people to know that I think if they, if they read about these, and then learn the stuff that I like. I've got 14 reasons why God doesn't answer prayer and doesn't heal the sick. Yes. And uh, if somebody's frustrated that God isn't responding, maybe not all 14 will help. But yes. if you have that as a resource, maybe two or three of them will help you feel better because it will make a little more sense to you. Yeah. And, that's and, worth the that's worth the price of the admission well, right there. Not bad, yeah. is it? I mean, it helps. Yeah. It's helpful stuff. And so that was my heart. I wanted to help my yeah. brothers and sisters. Yeah, you know, I want to share too, like the probably the most powerful thing that you ever shared with me yes. um, was in our apologetics course uh, in undergrad, back when you did it cross-listed with undergrad. Um, it, uh, it was being specific in prayer. Mm. Um, and you shared that story uh, coming out of good. seminary uh, with us then in the class where you, yes. that, that story where you prayed specifically for a white picket fence and a grassy front yard and and, and had to be house. under a, a specific amount. Um, right. And I, I wanted to share with you that when we moved to Texas, we my wife and I knew that we were going to be apart for a little bit and I was going to be commuting back and forth. And so it was really important that we had a certain kind of house. Yes. Uh, to her. And we, we were, we got very, I said, Hey, you know, JP, let's do this. Let's, let's, let, let's see God work because we believe he's moving us here. So let's get some affirmation. Yeah. Sure. We're going where we're supposed to be going. And if, if God, if we really think we're hearing God, right, then he should be able to get us something close, if not the exact thing. Mm -hmm. So let's be specific. And we were, we were very specific. It needed to be in a safe neighborhood. It needed to be, have a gate. It needed to have a playground in the backyard because our kids were younger oh, then. Wow, wow. Um, and it had to have a long driveway that had a gate in it so that the kids could, she could feel safe having the kids playing around, riding on their bikes, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly what we got. Oh my gosh. It's exactly what we got in the place that she wanted. Um, and she found it by, by, by reading scripture and coming up with this place 
between two Bethels. Really? It, it, I can't now, now this, now the scripture escapes me, but it was, it was a place where it said God and God showed up between two Bethels and we live between Bethel road and Bethel school road. No way. I, I kid you not. That that's oh, where she found gosh, it. She, she saw it on the, on the list. And she goes, I'm going to go to that house right there. And, that's and, uh, and she drove it. It was, ide- the story is nearly well, identical to what you shared. Well, exactly. And uh, I'll tell you one other one. And then I want to draw a lesson from your story, but yeah. in the book, I share the, uh, one of the cases is this uh, my friend, uh, my fellow faculty colleague and lifetime friend, Klaus mm-hmm. Sissler, Professor Isler taught a, do- a, do- a doctoral seminar, you know, once a week, and uh, th- he would begin class every time by asking, is there anyone who needs, really needs prayer, really? And then a person would volunteer and they would stand up and surround that individual and lay hands on him or her and pray. Well, one day this one student said, I... Uh, not this Friday, but a week from this Friday, I, I have a tuition payment and we have struggled financially. And I thought God led us to come here to prepare for the ministry, but I'm having doubts now because we're having struggles and I don't understand this. And I need to see God act on our behalf or else I think we're just going to leave seminary and I'm going to go back and take my old job. And so Klaus said, well, what, what do you want God to do for you? And he said, he, he, I need, and I'm going to forget the number it's in the book, but it's something like $2,173.29. That is exactly my tuition payment. And I want God to give me that exact amount, uh, not more or less, because if, he, if that would happen, I would know beyond any doubt that no matter what comes up in the future, I'm supposed to be here. So there were like 12 eyewitnesses to this because they were all in the class and they prayed for this. So this, this was public knowledge. And um, about, so uh, the weekend came and it was, I'm thinking something like a Tuesday or, or, or Wednesday. Um, his wife, uh, every now and then would go to the, her, her grandmother's who was living alone and would clean her house. And so on this particular time, she was cleaning out her study and it was just piled with stacks of papers and letters. And it was just a mess. So she was trying to figure out what to toss in the trash. And she came across a letter that was addressed to her. Hmm. And she thought that that's odd. What is a letter to me doing in this stack of papers halfway down, you know, and she opened it up and it was a government check for uh, I think something like six it was no it was a U.S. savings bond for like sixteen hundred and seventy dollars and she said oh my gosh this is unbelievable and so she went and told her husband about it and he said that's unreal thank you but that's not what we asked for (laughs) and I'm glad to have it but this could be coincidence I don't this is not encouraging to me and she said okay well we'll just keep praying and so she went to the bank uh, to cash it in, and it had accumulated interest over the time it had been in her grandmother's office. Yeah. And the total that she got was $2,179.29 to the penny, the exact amount. 
Unbelievable. He came back and told the class and everybody started freaking and crying and jumping up and down. And he knew, and now today they're in ministry somewhere because he was, he knew God wanted him there. Now your story is your story, a coincidence, just you were lucky and it was a coincidence. No. How do I know? It was highly unlikely. Would you get, would you give me that? Absolutely. And was it, was there something special about the house having those features, those specific features, besides the fact that the house had them? Yeah. Yeah. What? Because th those were the features you'd been praying for. We specified them. We yeah. specified. So it was the combination of your specification and a highly unlikely event that met that, that shows that this was not, it is, it is beyond any doubt that this was not an accident. There is a God and he listens on the other end of the line and he doesn't always say yes. And sometimes he's disgustingly quiet, but there are enough times when he answers that we know he's there. And that was one of them. Amen. How, yeah. how encouraging is that? It's it. We have come back to that time and time again. Well, you, of course you, you have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, because it, it is, how do we describe it? Unbelievable. Well, that's, that's right. unbelievable. You're, <laughs> well, you're, you're reminded of it every time you come home. Yeah, we, are, we literally are. <laughs> well, and again, like I say, I have plenty of grounds for knowing God exists besides miracles. But when you see these kinds of things, there's just no way that God isn't real. And, he, and he's, he's listening. There's just no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I challenge any skeptic that's watching this, please. This is not meant to be hubris. Read the book and you ask yourself the question, is there, is the Christian God real? Just ask yourself that question. And I, and if you don't conclude yes, then I'd like to know how you deal with the cases in that book. Right. Uh, so that's just a little encouragement to our unbelieving friends that are watching. What I love about all of this is, well, JP, I'm not sure if you, you know, cause I, I haven't kept up with you or I, I haven't been communicating directly with you for a while, but I left Biola and I eventually got a PhD, not in philosophy, but in public law and American politics. So I studied a lot yes. of constitutional law and I had um, some experiences during that time where uh, I, I experienced a miracle that met that meets these conditions yes. and um <clears throat> before i even heard you spell out the conditions but this is a while ago and i don't have permission to share it all right so i can't share it but um but it it did not involve an answer to prayer this is the interesting thing about this thing was that it was my it was my wife and I, and Curtis don't say her name because I'm not supposed to, but my wife uh, and I were talking out loud. Yes, yes. We were not praying. We were um, just saying what we needed. That and we, I remember I could not pray for it. I didn't have enough faith to pray for it. I get, I get it. I get and it. it was answered as if it was a prayer and it changed our lives. Well, that, and, that specific thing and, that changed our lives. Uh, hello. Uh, I would be yeah. willing to bet money that you revisit that 
regularly or periodically. And every time you do, it's strengthening. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. It's like the memorial stones and the scriptures. Now, yes. what I'm what I want to say about your case mm. is that you don't it doesn't have to be a prayer that makes it independently special. Mm-hmm. It could be a very specific longing of your heart or a need that's specific mm-hmm. and and that you had verbalized this and your you and your wife uh had actually kind of specified you know what what we really need is such and such yep that's that, what it was that's then it was. if such and such happens mm-hmm. it's special because that is exactly what you had verbalized to one or maybe just in your own mind oh my gosh i could oh my god i could really use this and if it's specific and unlikely to have happened on its own, you explain yeah. it to me besides it being an act of God. I can't explain it. Well, in those well, conversations that we have with our wives or friends or whoever, or confidants, th- those are expressions of coming out of our heart. And God knows our heart. There you and go. You, you mentioned in the book a, a, a place where Willard talks about, mentions the, the spectrum of prayer, right? Be, going between conversation and, and prayer, right? Yes. And yeah. you're, you're talking about Dallas Willard. So Dallas people Willard. that don't, yes. and not yes. in our circle can yeah, yes. and look he him was up. Head of the Department of Philosophy at USC. I did my uh, training under him. He's passed away now. But, but uh, there is a spectrum. And uh, on the one hand, you, 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 if you're praying for the sick, you might even command the disease to leave. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you might ask God through prayer to remove this from this person, or you might, you might, God knows your heart. And I think what that means is you have, whether you've verbalized it, you've given him an open invitation to be present and to listen in. And of course he's going to know anyway, but you've, you've said, I want you to, to, to keep your eye on me and to, and, and to listen in on my conversations because I want to be an open book as best I know how before you. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then God is God is paying attention to the mm-hmm. thing you're verbalizing to somebody else. And he, he will know when answering that would be a tremendously good thing for you. And in this case, yes. it clearly was. And, and yours too. I mean, that's just the way it goes. There are people here probably that are watching this later, probably maybe years later, because this is going to archive like a, like a library, just like when you write a book, you don't, if you only have five people check out the book in the first five weeks, who cares? It's going to be there for 50 years. Hopefully this will be there for, Yeah, it's unedited. It's (laughs) going to go up just exactly the way it is. And it's going to be there for years and years, Lord willing on on youtube and other places for people to hear this and there might be someone that's listening to this years later that hears you using the word no over and over again yes and testimony and how is that common sense how's your definition of knowledge fit with how we normally think of it and how's it used in science and stuff like that yes well there is a lot of confusion, actually, about what it means to know something. Mm-hmm. And uh, ever since the philosopher Rene Descartes in the in the 1600s and just a bit earlier, 
it has seeped into the culture in Western culture that if you know something, you have to be completely certain about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about now rational certainty, not emotional certainty. Uh, That means that if it's possible that you're wrong, then you can't know something. Mm. Now, that's no one in the history of Western philosophy up until that point ever believed that. For them, a major kind of knowledge uh, was what's what we call a true belief that's based on adequate grounds. Now, what counts as adequate is going to vary from case to case or maybe field to field. It will be one thing in making the judgment that this act was was right and not wrong. Another that that was God speaking to me. Uh, It wasn't me speaking to myself. Another that that is a certain particle in the particle accelerator uh, that that mathematical proof works. It's different. What's adequate will vary. But but here's the important point. You can know something and then later come to know it more strongly. Uh, uh, Paul says uh, uh, in Ephesians, this I want you to know with certainty. Uh, And that presupposes that they they knew it, but they weren't as confident as they could be so not they had knowledge but it wasn't strong knowledge so you could and haven't we all known something then later we found additional evidence and we said oh yeah yes boy i mean i i know it even more strongly so you could know something and admit i i admit i still have a doubt about it i i don't i have questions uh and so on so when I use no, I just mean that it, that there are ways when, when God intervenes that that you can have a true belief that it was God. And it's based on really good reasons. And the design filter would be one of those reasons. I, I, let me give you an example. Do you mind if I have time? To Absolutely. Give Absolutely. Um, this this happened in our church years ago. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, maybe 15 years ago. There, there was a, uh, we, have a pr- we have a prayer room on Monday night where if anybody wants prayer, they can come and sign up and a group of three or four will take them up to a private room and pray over them for 20 minutes or 30. And, and so there was a, a Jewish woman, um, and, and uh, I give her name in the book, and, yeah. and she was terminally ill. She had been under the supervision of an oncologist for a long time. And they had they had done radiation and chemo and other treatments, but nothing had worked, and she'd gotten worse. And they did a, 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 a you know an, an X-ray of her, and there were 51 different lights, points of light or cancer riddled all throughout her body, and it was her whole body was filled with cancer. So they committed her to hospice care, which is a place where they help you die with comfort and so on well she had a christian friend who said look there's a church they have prayer on monday nights you're not a christian i understand that but what do you got to lose (laughs) why don't you just go so she went and i happened to interview the guys that were part of this and i i've known them for they're trustworthy men and they were on the prayer team and the first monday night she came nothing happened but she felt so loved that she told her friend, I got to go back there. That was a wonderful experience. So she came the second Monday night, nothing happened. The third Monday night, she came back 
and, and while, she's not a Christian, right? No, no, point. she has no, not at all, not no. at all. She felt as they were praying, hot oil, according to her own testimony, go inside her body from her head down into her toes. And at that moment, she intuitively felt a complete change in her body and said, I'm healed. And so what she did, and I interviewed these, these guys who were there. The next morning, she called her oncologist and said it was an emergency call and said, I know that I, I, I'm not under your care now and I'll pay for this, but I have got to get in and see you to this week because I think I don't have cancer anymore. And the doctor didn't, he was weirded out and said, okay, yeah. I've got a slot Thursday morning. And so she came in and she had the x-rays again. The doctor came out with his jaw on the floor and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but not only does the x-ray show you have no cancer at all, but there's no evidence that you ever did. But he said, I know you did. He had both plates. Mm -hmm. If you look at this plate, you can see your cancer body is filled with cancer, but here you got nothing. Well, she gave her life to Christ and became a Messianic Jew. Now there's a sequel to the story. Mm. About five years later, I was asked by PBS to participate in an interview for a special on miracles. They're asking atheists in Europe and North America and theists to give both sides of this argument. And I wanted to use this story. So I contacted one of the guys who had prayed over this woman and he gave me her email address. So I emailed her and I've got all this, by the way, in a folder, I've kept the email exchange so nobody can <laughs> sound <laughs> that up. But uh, I said, you don't know me, but this is what I heard happened to you five years ago. And I laid out what I just told you. And I said, is that true? She emails me and back and said, oh, my Lord. She said, everything you've said is exactly what happened to me. And she said, I did become a Messianic Jew. And now five years later, the cancer has never come back. I am completely cancer free. And I'm still walking with my Lord Jesus, and I attend our, our, our services every Sunday, and I'm a, a dedicated follower of Jesus. Now, God. I have that is documented. I mean, I've got doc. There's medical documentation of this. I don't know her doctor didn't go to the hospital, but because I having the testimony was a testimony doctor, compared to the other guys that had told me the same thing, and I know them. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're, they're, they're real guys. So, so that's an example of a clear act of God healing that dear woman. Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't heal people. Sometimes I've got 14 reasons and maybe one will apply, but all I know is that there's, there is, there are healings happening all over the world every day. What I love about that story, it's not the first time I've heard it. So if it doesn't look like I'm so impressed, it's just, I am in, extremely impressed and I've heard it every time I hear it. I have the it's same feeling. Absolutely. Okay. And I've noticed that you're using the word. This is what I want to bring up for folks listening. Maybe years later, you're using the word. No, commonsensically and the same definition we use in science and in law, which is my area, right? The same exact way you're using Absolutely. the word. And it and it, it's distinguished and testimony 
the way you're using testimony as evidence is distinguished from gossip or just, you know, shooting the bull because that's how a lot of rumors get started. And, oh, did you hear this? And there's been a lot of that in the last couple of years with this yes. pandemic. Yes. And in, in politics, that's, that's oftentimes the way things get uh, shared around and it's not a rigorous examination, right? But, you, but there is a balance between common sense and, and rigor, and we yes. don't have time to be so rigorous. I think a lot of people will hear you thinking, gosh, this guy sounds like very commonsensical, but then also, also it's like, he's really academic. So it's th that putting those two things together might be, but you're sure. using this, the word the same way knowledge. And it, it has the same definition in law and in science. We use testimony in science all the we time. We sure do. Everything I know from science is by testimony. I, I didn't totally do the experiment, experiment. Right. Well, so, you're making you're making such a crucial point that I, I want to re reiterate this. We have developed over the centuries principles of interrogating an alleged eyewitness's testimony to decide if that testimony is true or if it's not. Mm -hmm. And uh, we and this happens all the time in police work, in, in court, in law. Knowledge is based upon testimony and mm -hmm. and but not just hearsay we have principles yes. so in the book uh i i know a, a a former cold case detective that has been on dateline nbc many times and he was their top cold case detective for like 30 years jay warner wallace and he was converted to christianity several years ago and he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity. And what he did was he developed, he states the principles that top detectives use to interrogate a witness to decide if their testimony is true. And these are these principles are the result of centuries of refining them and tossing out those that don't work. And I list in the book, what are some of the principles of eyewitness testimony that make you have knowledge based upon their testimony instead of just sort of hoping they're telling the truth. That's huge and right there. It's, it's, and you, and you, I'm glad you brought that up because the stories in the book satisfy mm -hmm. those principles and the reader can decide for him or herself because they're in there. Thank, thank you. Science is not the only way to know things. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, even ones. when you know stuff from science, like if I agree with you. you're wondering about this, how to deal with the pandemic or where it came from or where it's going and what the you're reliant, you have to sift so many different people coming at you and you it can be overwhelming. It can. But, and, but there are principles that you can use. And I think that's, that itself is a huge th value bomb in the book, just helping people think about that and, and go, oh, wow, there's actually something I can tap into here exactly. to figure out Big. the 14 ways. I think you mentioned a dozen or 14 ways of yeah. just uh, thinking through unanswered prayer. Uh, could you say a little bit about how you, um, how that came up for you and, and how you worked through that? Well, I, I've, we have all had disappointment with God. Let's be honest. Yeah. And times when, we were really angry at God because it looked like he, there was a chance for him to show himself and help people and honor, get glory from it. Mm -hmm. And so the question for me is, um, 
how, what do I do with these disappointments? Mm-hmm. And, and I thought one thing that might help me is if I had some at least somewhat intelligent set of principles as to why God might not be doing this. And I'm not saying I know 100% every time, but so I researched and came up through my study with these 14 principles that made both biblical and common sense. For example, so, uh, uh, sometimes God doesn't respond because if he did, it would be harmful more than helpful. I'll give you an example. In, in my, my son-in-law had a job years ago, and his boss was a boss from hell. Two people in the office left because she was so mean and demeaning. And she demeaned him. She said, you're, you're stupid. What do you, you, don't, what, you don't even know what you're doing over there. And he dreaded going to work. And we prayed that God would provide, get him out of there. Nothing happened. He had to stay in there a year, year and a half longer under this oppressive woman. Well, all of a sudden, uh, my, his wife, my daughter, Ashley, heard about a new job at this company, and he interviewed for it. And out of a bunch of people, he got the job. Now, the, they, he said, why did I get it? Because there were a lot of interviewees. He said, "What well, you got it because in order to, 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 to do the job we're giving you, you had to have at least a year or more experience in doing such and such, which was exactly what he had been doing in the previous job. And had God answered that prayer, he would not have gotten a new job because he needed that experience to be be qualified for the new job. If God had answered that prayer then, unknown to us, we're thinking, what are you doing up there, you know? But he knew what he was doing, and he was waiting until the timing was right, because he knew if he did it early, it would do more damage than good. That's just an example. That's a great example. Yeah, great example. Curtis, did you have anything uh, that you wanted to close with? or Just, uh, we'd love to have you on again. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I, I love you guys, and it's been, I'd love to. It's been my privilege. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I just, I, I've, I can't tell you how many of your books I've bought um, through Amazon and share them regularly, uh, particularly the one, the other one on uh, uh, finding peace. I, yes, yes. You know, that, that's a great, escapes me. that's a great idea for that book. That that's the other book I had in mind yeah. that I've saw, I saw you uh, preach good. on the, I saw you uh, preach on that at, at the Vine, uh, which is where I'm on staff, uh, where Michael Swanson founded the Vine. Yeah, I yeah. Spoke at that church a while ago, and um, uh, that that's a good idea. That itself, because I've had a, I've had a lot of anxiety. I've had oh. I've had a major battle with anxiety in my life. I have too. And uh, I think a lot of people could really relate to that. So. Well, we'll do it. Let's do it. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, Professor Moreland, uh, distinguished professor of philosophy at Biola University, uh, and our former professors, thank you for making time to be with us. And uh, it's been I'm my gonna, privilege, I assure you. I'm going to stop you. recording.